The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 82, Your Urban Legends, part 10. Yes. Oh. Double digits, only not because we're using Roman numerals. There's been some conflict within the Spirits household about these episodes. Mostly that our family members only listen to these, and several of them have said they like Eric the best. Yeah, several of our, our parents and loved ones, uh, unprompted, were like, yeah, I, you know, I try to keep up with spirits, and we're like, that's fine, you know, you don't have to, like, keep up with the show, it's one every week, it's a lot, and they're like, but I really love the Urban Legends one, do you guys should do more of those, I really love Eric the most, and we're like, what? I'm sorry? <laughs> It makes me laugh. Yeah, it's I'm, it's I'm honored funny. that our parents listen. We we talk a lot about, uh, I don't know, things that I wouldn't want to hear my child talk about. So uh, go parents. Thank you for listening. I think today we're going to thank some super special, super spooky folks, Amanda. Yes, I know. It's it's hard to achieve maximum spookiness in the summertime, but uh, folks who always keep it creepy, keep it cool, are supporting producer level patrons. Neil, Philip, Julie, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Jessica, Maria, Cami, Ryan, Phil Fresh, and Deborah, and those special special folks that are in our like physical realm in that they get physical packages from us every single month sarah sandra audra mercedes ashley buggy ashley marie liam and cassie y'all definitely don't have roommates as mimics but if you do they make you a sweet sweet dinner every night that would be very nice i as would a ghost be roommate and julia i actually chose the the drink for this one. Ooh, tell me which was a brooklyn watermelon summer ale it's Oof. just like one of our go-tos and one of the few beers that you and I both really love. So mm -hmm. we decided to break it out for this 10th Urban Legend episode. Yeah. Every time that you have a party, that is what I bring to the party because I know you like it and I know I like it. And I know that if there's any leftover, I can just drink them whenever I come to your place. Yeah, it is uh, a very smart plan and I'm mm -hmm. glad you do it. That's what friendship is, my friend. Friendship's also about teaching each other uh, great stuff, which is why I'm really stoked that our sponsor this week is Skillshare, which is an online learning community. They have over 20,000 classes in design, business, technology, arts, more. Um, and you can sign up for a free premium trial at Skillshare.com slash spirits. Also, I want to just express we love our patrons. Y'all make our months every month and you keep us doing what we do and what we love which is this show um i do want to point out that we are less than 40 patrons away from going to spaghetti warehouse in ohio which we definitely totally want to do uh because our last experience was not so great so i think we deserve a real actual spaghetti warehouse experience with extra garlic bread and maybe some gnocchi yeah i i really want to get drunk in a trial I'm not going to lie to you. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this uh, newfound career of ours can send us to get drunk in a trolley in a warehouse in Ohio is, I think, the greatest accomplishment of all time. So fewer than 40 people, if you are listening and you can give us even 
$1. It would mean the world. It will get us to Ohio. The minute we pass that patron goal, I have to book plane tickets to Ohio. That's how That's Patreon true. works. Jack Conti will come to my house and be like, Amanda, what are you doing? You hit your goal. Let's do it. So <laughs> if you want us to go to Ohio, we will literally go to Ohio. Uh, please sign up at patreon.com slash spirits podcast. Yep. Just $1 and we will get to that goal. I believe in you. I believe in us. I believe in ghosts. I believe in spaghetti. And I believe in the spaghetti warehouse. So without further ado, enjoy Spirits Podcast, episode 82, Your Urban Legends, part 10. So I was at lunch this weekend with my Aunt Lourdes, who listens to the podcast. What up, Aunt Lourdes? What up? Even a My favorite of all of Amanda's aunts. Oh, uh, funny you say that because like this, the third or fourth thing that Aunt Lourdes said to me when we were in the same room, uh, sitting down to a, a lovely uh, late lunch and Greek food here mm. in Astoria, Queens, you know, Eric is my favorite spirits host. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, like I, I try to keep up to date, you know, but like I never miss an Urban Legends episode. He's just, there's something about him. He's so funny. You know, you and Julia are great, but you know, oh, there's just something about I Eric. don't know about that now. <laughs> I don't know That's, about that. I, I love it. I love it so, 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 so much. This is what's going to tear the fabric of our friendship apart. Is it's this true. deciding factor. It's true. I mean, I feel like I am a regular guest at best. So as much as I, I, I dream of having the title of host. Do you? I I am just I'm on this I'm on this ride once a month. You did in the last uh, hometowns episode tell us eh, I'll give my seat to this other person. Yeah. They can be the host now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one see, person writes disposable. us with a good subject line, and, and you're, you're like, out. well, nope, that's it. I I know where I'm needed and not. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's pretty funny. Sometimes families say the darndest things. Uh, also, kids. We put out the call last episode for some stories of you creepy children mm. and people. Your children are creepy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. They are defo creepy. So Amanda, why don't you start us off with a creepy child? Oh, very gladly. I will give you short and sweet, maybe the creepiest child thing I've ever heard from our good, good friend, Alexander Danner. Whose child I met when I was in Boston last time. Oh, cute. <laughs> well, uh, you, now you'll have a great, strong visual in your mind mm -hmm. for this story. So... It's 4.30 a.m., and our son, then three years old, who has been asleep between us, wakes up. We automatically wake up, too, because that's how it works at that age. <laughs> Side note, kids sound awful. Yep. <laughs> I like I like to Ooh. sleep. <laughs> oh, boy. I love sleeping so much. Okay, so we were still pretty groggy and on our way back to sleep until Julian says, putting the light on will make the person go away. So I ask, what person? The person on the inside, he says. Fully awake now, I say, inside what? He ignores the question and instead tells us the person doesn't want us to put the light on. Brandy is fully awake at this point, too, and hanging on to the conversation. Julian, I insist, the person inside what? The person inside the house. So I try to assure him there's no one here but us. And our blood, he assures me back. Then he rolls back over and goes to sleep. That's such a hard no. Such a hard so, no. So, oh boy. I don't, I don't want it. I don't want it at all. I don't want it either. Oh boy, no. So, and our blood. Oh, yep. And our blood. And our oh. blood. Yep. Maybe the worst word for a child to say. If the child knows about blood, if the child's around blood, if, if for some reason the child wants to reference creepy ghost blood, no. All bad. All bad situations. Yep. Also, like, the kid did not answer the question about 
who the person was. So it's still ambiguous. It's He's just the man in the house. The mom assured them that there wasn't a person. And the kid just segues into, oh, but don't forget about the blood. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it's very bad. Counterpoint, the blood. Oh, no. <laughs> have oh, you considered no. the blood? Yes, I have. You're mine. And now I want to disavow you. No, I'm sorry. Alex, I'm, I'm sure your child's adorable. Have you considered the good word of the blood today? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's my favorite uh, of the books of blood is is Deuteronomy. That's a joke just for Julia. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. And all the other Bible study people in our audience. That's true. I just think the word Deuteronomy is funny and I said it with like full eye contact. Mm-hmm. So You did. Thank you for that. You're Thank welcome. you for the giggle. <laughs> um, I have a story about uh, children being creeped on. Would we like to hear that next? Oh no. Does well, it end that's, okay? What? That's not what we wanted. That's yes, the opposite. Yes, it is. I Aww. want creepy children. Uh, well, we're going to start with this one. Uh, oh, so no. oh, this no. is from a listener named Fran. And Fran goes, hi again, it's Fran. And I forgot about more creepy in my town. This guy is called The Watcher. You can pull up articles written about him, her, maybe not even human, who knows. Uh, I believe the story begins in 2014 when a family moved into a new home and began receiving threatening letters from The Watcher. The letters- too soon. This is too recent. No, I want an urban legend from the 70s. I don't want an urban legend from a year I can remember. The letters explained that generations of watchers have been watching this house. In a letter, they write that their grandfather and father watched the house. So I guess we can assume that the watcher is a man, but who knows? The watcher threatened the children and detailed their knowledge of the house and stuff along those lines. The watcher referred to the children as, quote unquote, young blood. They requested for the house to be filled with, quote unquote, young blood. Another letter explained that they knew the children's names. This generated a lot of buzz in the community. I bet. Buzz is underselling (laughs) what this generated in the community. Uh, Probably moral panic. (laughs) Probably. Uh, Everybody in my high school was sharing links on Facebook with articles written about this creepy stalker. Julian, I'm going to stop you right there. An urban legend that involves Facebook is too recent. Too recent. Pre-Facebook only. The couple moved out and Mm -hmm. they sued the previous owners of the house because they did not disclose that there's a creepy stalker mailing threatening letters to the owners of the house. I would too. This sounds familiar now. Yeah. This sounds like a story I've actually read yep. about. Like, I don't know. That one sounds like familiar enough that I actually might know. Like, I don't know details, but it sounds like something I've actually mm. like heard about, which means it's far too recent. I got excited that it would involve Rupert Giles and a full conspiracy of, uh, you know, Nobody. vampiric uh, specialized librarians. But no. Nope. I'm sorry. I don't think they won the case, but they did rent out the house to someone else. Fearing for the safety of their quote-unquote young blood, they had to get out of there. The house went back on the market last year, and I have not seen any more headlines about the Watcher, so I have no idea what was up with that, but it was definitely super creepy. With a quick Google search, I see that there haven't been any articles written about it since last year, so if I hear anything new, I'll let you guys know. Maybe the new owners just ignore the letters? That's for sure. I, wh- what I want to know is whether the previous occupants dealt with something similar. Like, was this documented as a phenomenon? I, I guess not, because I feel like if it was documented as a phenomenon and, like, had police records and stuff, they would have won that court case that they put. Fair enough. Yeah. I think these people are just like, oops, from letter from the creepy stalker again, throw it out. Yikes. You, you can't even set up, like, Gmail filters on your physical mail. You can't. If so, I would get no spam mail and almost no mail at all. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I'm a millennial. Don't send me mail. One time I was waiting for a friend in a park and an 
elderly man came up to me and said to me, Youngblood, do you know where the bathroom is? Oh, boy. <laughs> that was the coolest thing that anyone's ever said to me. It was the coolest question anyone's ever asked. Wow. So he was just like, hey, Youngblood, you know if there's any bathrooms around here? And I was like, uh, like I had to like get out of the shock of like how cool this dude was. <laughs> You're like, thank you for the awesome and new nickname, sir. And then I was nickname, like, I sir. think the, maybe the public pool across the way has something you could use, but I, I don't know. So beautiful. That's the context I want to hear young blood. Okay, not, not I don't fill like the house this with context. young blood. I don't like the idea of looking for young blood. I like someone just being called young blood. That's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, me. like when you casually come across somebody and you're like, you know what? You are the future young blood. And you're like, yes, thank you. Or maybe if you're a, a like college sports recruiter, even then there's something a little bit iffy about going to high schools and being like young blood and I'm like, go away, you're a stranger. <laughs> also like getting weird letters about your children's young blood is super creepy. Yeah, no, that's that sounds like a, a prank gone really, really wrong. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well, young blood, what do you got for us? I have a letter from listener Katie Lynn. What up, Katie? Katie! This is the story of the ghost who lives at the University of Memphis. Well, one of them. Hopefully, one ghost. Good start. Not the same ghost haunting multiple versions of the University of Memphis. Or, I mean, it could be multiple stories about one ghost, or I'm hoping multiple ghosts and multiple stories, because that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Her name is Elizabeth Minders. I like a ghost with a first and last name. I do oh, yeah. I feel appreciate like when you typically don't names. get yeah. that specific. Of Give the me ghost. that historical record. She is the daughter of the first president of the university back when it was West Tennessee Normal School. <laughs> Why is it Normal school? school? What does that mean? Let me make sure. Yes, I'm, normal I'm like is. highlighting letter by letter to make sure that it is just normal. I'm not just like getting weird kerning. It's Normal School. He commissioned a dorm to be built on the campus in the shape of a letter E for his daughter, and it was called Minder's Hall. It's just normal school. That's just what it's called. That's so weird. Uh, just call Tennessee. it school then. Are you okay? Just call it school. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Eric. Back, back to your No, story. no. I love it. I love it. Unfortunately, she died at a young age, and I think she was a student. She lived in Minder's Hall, and it was said that she haunts the building even today that's like that's like crazy to have like a dorm built after you and then you live in the dorm and then you die in the dorm like that's oh man yeah like almost like a prophecy coming true it's it feels like yeah not good not good don't don't have a building named after you and then live in it yeah also don't build physical buildings for future children of yours i'm just saying like unrelated Please don't to build our like creepy, like all of our extremely wealthy landowning listeners, I suppose. Don't buy, don't like build, you know, playhouses for future children. I just feel like that's a, like it's a bad omen waiting nope. to happen. Just don't do it. Yeah. Just, also great advice for any of our rich landowning listeners. We have a Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash spirits podcast. Become a legend level spirits patron. Po- is that right? You can get physical Lands packages a, to your There's a legend lands. level. It's great. Yeah. It is Check very that good. out. It's great. Anyways, anyways, back to the story. (laughs) They closed the dorm in 2015, so I've never been in it, but walking past even gave me goosebumps. She was considered a friendly ghost who just kind of wandered around the building and turned lights on and off as she saw fit. She never really did anything, but there have been reports of her being seen, being in rooms, and even reaching out to the female residents who live there. One of my friends who lived in Minder's Hall the last year it was open told me that she woke up one night to her door being slammed open. 
There was no one else around and she didn't see anything. Yikes. She let it go and went back to sleep. I lived in the dorm behind Minder's Hall and would have to walk around it to get to the cafeteria. I never saw anyone, but I always had the weird feeling of being watched through the windows. Random lights would be turned on, and sometimes people would see a shadow wandering around the third floor. Yikes. That's all I really know about Elizabeth and Minders Hall, and she has sent us some links along with her email to uh, some stories about uh, the ghost. Sweet. And she says, stay creepy, stay cool. Aww. Also, I like the idea that's like, she didn't really do anything, but people would see her every now and again, which is like a hard save. Yeah. Just, just really hard save. Oh, yeah. She didn't really do anything. People would just see her every now and again. Yeah, that's like, kind of my ideal. It's like someone would notice if I died, probably, like mm-hmm. after several days, but- uh, no one expects of me anything. That's just how I live my normal life, yeah. not my ghost life. <laughs> that would be the dream. Like an abandoned dorm, like and just seeing like someone standing there is a very spooky image to me. Because like, at one year during college, they moved us all mid school year Why? between semesters into a different dorm because they had finished it. Oh no! And they're like, we're kicking you out of your dorm, so it's the middle of winter, time to move. It was a real pain in the butt. But then that dorm was empty for a while, and we would always walk past it, and it was just like this place that we had called home for like three years was just like empty and abandoned, and just like the idea of like spookily like seeing lights turn on and off or like Mm. a person in a window is like very unsettling to me because I know like the uncreepy version of that, and it was already not great. Oh yeah. But the creepy version of that is very creepy. Yeah, I've been kind of obsessed with the haunted dorm ever since uh, Jeffrey Gardner's episode with the elevator. Yeah. Oh, man, that fucked me mm-hmm. up. I know. The elevator one in particular was like oh, so God. good and scary. This one comes to us from Kelsey. So she says, I have no direct memory of this story. It's secondhand from my parents. So I'll leave it to you guys to speculate whether I was a child straight out of Amityville or it was just already a troll by age three. I liked this email a lot. I remember this one. It's very good. Kelsey is a, is a good writer. So she says... I was a military brat, but when I turned three, my parents' brother and I settled in North Carolina and moved into this old brick house in a suburb-ish part of town. I have the most lovable brand of helicopter mom, so she generally kept up with my shenanigans and knew how and when I tripped or bumped into things or scraped myself up. One evening, I came down for dinner and had a long scratch down my forearm, but I didn't mention anything about it. When my mom asked what happened, I calmly responded, the boy gave it to me and kept eating my dinner. Julia's face is so creepy. Yeah, yeah, the boy. Boy, all right. Uh-oh. Here we go. It's the. If it was a boy, it's fine, but the boy no, no, is no. too no. specific. Absolutely. <laughs> Thinking I may have meant a neighbor, my mom asked, What boy? To which, in five star creepy kid form, I casually I retorted, know. The boy mm-hmm. who lives in my room. He doesn't like that no. we live here. Oh, no. <laughs> Her parents inexplicably didn't press the issue further. No. <laughs> My dad has more or less forgotten about the whole thing when a few months later, totally an estimate, my timelines are pretty blurry, she was three, the previous owners of the house stopped in because they were passing through the area and wanted to meet the new residents. During the conversation, they asked my dad if he'd had any run-ins with the ghost boy who lives upstairs. Come on! What are you doing? My parents either have nerves of steel or no sense of self-preservation, but they just went about their business until we moved for other reasons a year or so later. Okay, other reasons, sure. Uh Uh-huh. I wish I could provide a first-person account, but unfortunately, I have maybe two memories of our whole time in that house, and neither of them were paranormal. I looked up the neighborhood and the house before writing this, but short of an ad on Zillow, nothing particularly haunted popped up. Did the Zillow ad say, kind of haunted, just a little bit, though? Don't worry about it. Recent price drop. Why? Don't worry about it. Don't worry. It's fine. It's cool. (laughs) 
We have to disclose murders, but you know. Creepy kids, you know, that's on your own time. Wow, that's freaking terrifying. Yep, nope, not a fan. Is there a statute of limitations on like any of that stuff for houses? Like if a house is like, because there's lots of houses around here that are like over 100 years old. Like if there was a murder in like 19... 17 do you still have to be like someone was murdered in this house because that was over 100 years ago now i don't know i feel like the murder has to have happened like within the sale of the house like if you're the first family to buy it after the murder they have to release that information but not if you're like the fifth family to buy the house after the murder Hmm. i suppose though if it's like a generational house where like you know a, a grandmother was born and there was a murder you know around that time and then when she passes you know 90 years later the house is sold that could be technically within the the lifetime of one one ownership but yeah i i wonder if people work in real estate or insurance and want to let us know i'd be very curious what the kind of rules are there so amanda you know what i love about these hometown urban legends episodes and like our show in general uh getting pretty creeped out while slightly buzzed i mean that definitely definitely that (laughs) but also i like learning new things I do too. And I love learning them about all kinds of stuff. I love that we can talk about old history, new history, urban legends, historical ghosts and creepies. Um, But I also like learning real stuff in the world. And my favorite place to do that online is Skillshare. It's an online learning community. They have over 20,000 classes in design, business, arts and crafts and other like artisan fields, technology, like anything you could want. And the best part is their premium membership gives you unlimited access to all of these high quality classes on these like must know topics so you can either improve your skills or unlock new opportunities or like do the work that you love so like this week i've been checking out the intro to mixology which is upping your cocktail game in 30 minutes and that's hosted by uh april watchell who is this new york-based uh cocktail instructor she's amazing but it's basically it's a class where it's anything from like a total bartending newbie who needs an orientation on how to get started to like bartenders who like really want to get into mixology but like haven't had the time because either they work at a dive bar or like maybe you're just really enthusiastic about cocktails and you want to know the basics and the classics and then some new stuff as well yeah it is really really cool i learned some stuff i didn't know which uh i thought i knew a lot for like an amateur you know cocktail maker uh it turns out no i had a lot to learn and i also really love this class called the hitchcock method which is all about adding suspense to everything you write uh now i haven't had to uh write papers or stories since college and as much as I, you know, write a ton of emails during the day, I want to get back into creative writing. Um, so I, I really liked this class. It th- makes you think about like story structure, the sequence, you know, in which you kind of reveal information to your listeners and readers. And I thought it was really, really well done. So you can get unlimited access to classes like this with your premium trial. You get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. So that's at Skillshare.com spirits for two months of unlimited access to all 20,000 plus classes for just 99 cents. You can't even buy gum for 99 cents. You can't. You can't buy a water bottle or a can of Coke for 99 cents, but you can get two months of Skillshare. Yep. So that is Skillshare.com slash spirits, 99 cents, two months of premium service. Go do it. Thanks for supporting the show Skillshare and thank all of you for supporting them right back. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. 
To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I have a story about a spooky restaurant that isn't related to spaghetti, (gasps) as far as I know. Tell me. Whoa. This comes from Parker, and they have a story about a spooky restaurant. The restaurant is called Margarita's, and it's the original and start of a chain. Also, it used to be the city jail, so guests can eat at old jail cells if there's some available. I want to go to there. I really super want to go. What's up with the restaurants that end up on this podcast in which something that shouldn't be in a restaurant is in a restaurant? Jail cells, trolley cars. People know Keep we like out weird of restaurants. shit. I know, though it, it is a pretty efficient like drunk driving trap where if someone <laughs> is going well, to be think, drunk you driving. You think the manager could just back. close the door Oh, yeah. You. It's like, good job, cop. You've been imprisoned. The downstairs portion of the restaurant has the largest cell, and in it lives <laughs> our ghost, George. The, it's named George. The ghost is named George. <laughs> the ghost is named George. Oh, so good. Since George has given us a bit of a reputation, our restaurant has been a spot to visit on local ghost tours. Mm -hmm. And once there was a group of psychics and mediums that came to the restaurant to spend the night. Oh my God, I want to be there. They invited another medium from out of town and made her wait outside when our manager was talking about the history of the restaurant. So she wouldn't be like tainted by the story. Sure. Probably because they wanted to see if she could pick up anything that the locals would miss, or maybe just to see if she was genuine. She was taken on a tour of the restaurant, and when she got to the downstairs by the soda fountain, close to where the big cell is, she stopped. She started mumbling until she looked at my manager and went, It's Joe, not George. Yo, call calling him out. <laughs> wow. She kept mumbling it all night. So where did the name George come from? Parker writes a lot of question marks and explanations after that <laughs> sentence, but I wasn't sure how to enunciate that many Where did it come from? Where did it come from? Yeah. Just do it in your best, like, 40s. This question voice. and more <laughs> on tonight's story hour. Amanda's got it. They, I mean, I don't have to. I don't think I need to do it again because you guys <laughs> no. clearly, you guys clearly gave them what they wanted. Exactly. Also, when people are working the closing shift, Joe slash George will flicker the lights. Sometimes he'll hide in other smaller cells and say quiet things or cause the area around us to go cold. All right. What? Now, now Parker, I don't, I don't like to get on the cases of the people who write in. Uh-oh. You got to tell us some of those quiet things the ghost is saying. <laughs> yeah, I want to know what George slash Joe is whispering. What, what's being said? We need that color commentary. Yeah. Though, to be honest, if you're working in a restaurant, you're probably sweaty, moving around a lot, walking all night. It's probably nice to have a little bit of, a little bit of ghost air conditioning with you. There you go. That's very true. The only time I've ever had an encounter with him was when I was about to leave the host area and go home on a Friday night. It was around 11 p.m. and the lights shut off and I swear I felt someone tap my shoulder and say, excuse me, can you move? 
Needless to say, I ran into the restaurant to cry in my friend's arms because I was so terrified. Oh, no. But at wow. least he was polite about it. You can't, you can't say he wasn't. You know, I'm, I'm genuinely trying to think to myself, would I be more scared if someone was like, hi, young blood? Or if they were like, sorry, do you know the time? Like, I, like, I just don't know which one would be uh, more probably challenging. Probably the first. Probably the first would be yeah, scary. I mean, definitely the first. Yeah. Like, I feel like, like, I feel like I would not handle a ghost well either way. But if, like, I could at least, like, compose myself if the ghost was, like, being pretty chill about the situation. Yeah, that's true. I, I always uh, see, like, you know, the reveal in a book or a, a movie or something that, like, oh, there's magic. Or, like, oh, you're special. Or, like, oh, I'm an alien. I always think that I would take it very calmly. And I'm always like, oh, man, these people are, you know, they're jumping all around. And they're so incredulous. Like, mm. can't you see? It's right in front of you. That person's a talking dragon. I don't know. I feel like I would be, be, I'd be pretty down and be like, yep, no, I, su- I suspected as much. They finished by saying, please come to the restaurant if you ever come to Concord, New Hampshire. So Dope, we'll do. We just got to take a, a road trip up north and we can go to Margarita's and hang out in a jail cell. Yeah, sounds good. And get, and get spooky. That sounds like a wonderful summer vacation. I, wa- I want to get spooky every summer vacation. What we need is a a show that's on either the Food Network or the Travel Channel in which we just go to haunted restaurants. Get at us! Because initially Get it'd be like a touch. show where we just go to haunted places is enough. But I feel like we've honed in on a, a, a niche. We found a niche. That Make we could us just cocktails and show us your ghosts. At this point. Listen, I'll drink bottled beer. I'll drink wine. I don't need a bespoke cocktail based on the haunting of your particular establishment. I will take one. I mean, I yeah, wouldn't I mean, mind I will definitely that. take one. No, I, I would prefer that. Do but... I want a themed tasting menu around the particular heinous crimes that occurred in your basement once upon a yes, time? Yes, yes, Yeah, yeah, I do. And all you creepy cool MFers would watch that as well. Uh, so my next story was titled The Fairies at the Bottom of the Pool. Ooh. Ooh. Sold me right away. Pool fairy is a really good summer aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this email is from Nizzy, and they say, Hey guys, so in your most recent episode, someone shared about when they talked to a river and how it responded to them, and it reminded me of the fairies at the bottom of the pool. Good start. So when I was in year 11 in school, aka when I was about 15, 16, I used to do swimming for games. I don't know if calling... I don't know if calling it games is a British thing. So basically sports lessons. Gym. PE. It's, yeah, gym. Yeah. PE. Uh, so I was spending about four hours a week in the pool. My school made us do too much sport. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. That sounds like a lot. Uh, I don't know what started it, but I would imagine these fairies that lived at the bottom of the school pool. One of them was King of the Water Fairies. I'm not sure why the King of the Water Fairies would live in a swimming pool, but I guess that that was just where my mind went. I started talking to the King of the Water Fairies, just randomly chatting. I don't remember any of the conversations, but I do But I do this thing where you would talk underwater, and it sounds all weird, and I'd imagine his responses, mostly just to keep my mind busy while swimming up and down the pool, probably doing laps or whatever for school. Yeah, makes sense. However, after a little while of doing this, I became aware that his responses didn't seem to be just coming from my imagination. It felt like something else out there was responding inside my head. For example, I remember there being a day where he wasn't there, and I didn't hear from him, and I was really worried until the next time I went swimming and he was back. I don't know what he looked like. It was just his voice. 
I then went to a church youth group weekend away, and I was very aware that the idea of this water spirit that I was talking to kind of clashed with my other beliefs. So I, I came to the conclusion that either it was just in my head or it was some demonic presence trying to lull me into a false sense of security. So I decided that I had to stop talking to him. I felt really bad about it because I considered him a friend, but it was easier to distrust him than question my entire belief system. Totally. I don't blame her. Yeah. Looking back at this story, I started experiencing mental health issues at that sort of age, and my brain likes to do strange things when my mental health is bad, and I never had the strongest separation between reality and fiction in my head. So this could have all been in my head, or maybe it was some kind of water spirit or demon, but who knows? It, it does make me wonder, though, how many myths started as a result of someone's mental health, though. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the story, Nizzy. Which is cool. Yeah, we've talked a lot about how, like, you know, mental health can definitely affect how we tell stories and what affects what like what's real and what's not in our brains and i think this is a really good example of that but also like i like the idea that like what is your reality is shaped by your experiences oh yeah whether or not like this is real for you or if like the river story was real for our listener who sent that in it's all a matter of like perception and i i just like that i like that kind of stuff a lot i like it too it reminds me uh, a lot of like uh, you know, just imagination. Like mm-hmm. that's a thing that we kind of lose track of. Especially um, like, you know, becoming adults. In adulthood, exactly. And and at least for me, kind of, you know, bad mental health times tend to rob me of like creativity and whimsy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as a kid, I was solitary and weird and like, you know, my brain spun out way too yep. much. And so I came up with like really cool stories as an adult that normally is like worrying about my like chores, you mm-hmm. know, or stuff at work. Um, but I, I really love also that, you know, people with non-typical brains or mental health like we kind of have a cool like magical realism view of the world like there is a there is a way in which you know there is lots of downsides obviously and you know sometimes I wish that that wasn't the one that I was given but I also know that like my outlook on life and on stories is super unique and I'm grateful for that too yeah my neurodiverse brain is a good storyteller when it wants to be yeah, anxiety is just a really compelling storyteller. <laughs> For <laughs> sure. Most of the time, I'd rather it not, but there it is. Our next email comes from Sander. It is a uh, subject line, a creepy kid who was also a ghost. Yes. And how my stepdad got his mom to bless the place. <gasps> yep. Hard yep. I like it. So Sander says, I have some interesting blends of neurodivergent issues that lead to me being a hyper aware, anxious ball of, oh God, please don't jump out at me. <laughs> Same. When I was about, I want to say early teens or so, I lived with my stepdad and mom. I didn't like my stepdad at the time, but anyway, I've always been a firm believer in spirits and ghosts and fae and so on. I've seen ghosts and shadowmen, so I'm pretty down with whatever. So when I started to see this ghost kid, I was like, all right then, you cool? Because if you're not cool, <laughs> hey, what up? then you and I got to set some boundaries, <laughs> which I love. Like, okay, this is happening. This is this is what's going on right now. And like, how can I cope with it? I do like the idea of setting boundaries with your ghost that's oh, haunting yeah. you. Be like, Very hey, much. buddy, like, this is fine. You can wake me up at three. But if we do this for longer than an hour, we got some problems. You know, honestly. Very understanding, progressive ghost. It's very true. And you know what? I feel similarly about like pests in my home. Like I live in a 110 year old building in New York City. There's going to be pests. Mm -hmm. And my feeling is like, long as I can't see you, we can cohabitate. Do your thing. You can do your thing. Don't show me poop. 
don't, you know, jump out at me when I'm uh, cooking and we're going to be good. So back to Sander. I would get up in the wee hours of the morning to pee because insomnia, and I wouldn't turn on the lights because my mom and stepdad are, you know, strict and sleeping. So I would see this little kid with a bowl cut about four foot something just chilling on our couch like he owned the damn place. At first I was scared because I've seen some, you know, bad ghosts before, but the boy never really did anything aside from chill on her couch. Then he started standing outside the bathroom door when I peed and just watched, which again is creepy, but not like bad, bad. Like also not cool. Also not cool. Gotta set those boundaries. But baby Sander was all like, hey dude, can you not? So I just stopped trying in the end because it was company. He was kind of a soft white gray and his hair had an impression of being brown. I don't remember his eyes, so IDK. But his face was kind of chubby and cute and so on, like a puppy. I talked to him all the time and eventually got the idea in my almost baby brain that his name was Benji. Along with chilling on the couch and also watching me groggily pee at 3am, Benji would also stand outside my bedroom just in the doorframe and do nothing. Alright, we're getting into creepy here. (laughs) Just in the doorframe and do nothing. He respected my space, and I kind of liked that. He became a bit of a fond friend. Wake up in the middle of the night, hey Benji, can't sleep, that's Benji, just a chill little dude. (laughs) I made the mistake of mentioning Benji to my stepdad one day, and that was that. His mom is a Christian counselor in a pseudo super church, so he had her come in and bless the place by banishing the spirit. I kept telling him that Benji didn't hurt anyone and was just living there, but that was that. I haven't seen Benji since, despite my stepdad and mom living in the same house, but I like to think that Benji is now kind of kicking it on Jesus's couch in heaven, standing in door frames to his ghostly heart's content. Aw, I hope Benji's doing good. There's many, many houses in heaven with lots of lots of door frames, I'm sure. So like, Mm -hmm. that's true. Choice place to like look for door frames to stand in. (laughs) Yeah, I I just thought that was very sweet. It was not... uh, not like a malicious ghost not really interfering and you know having dealt with insomnia myself it's nice to think like okay well there's just someone also also chilling you know enjoying this uh nice 3 a.m witching hour that would freak me the fuck out but (laughs) all right so i got another email this is from jenny and jenny says so before i get started with my story i want to say that i'm an active practicing pagan slash witch and i have a lot of stories i want to share but out of all of them i wanted to share the one that my husband told me when we first uh, met once he discovered my quote-unquote interests it's probably one of the most unique and chilling stories i've ever heard so i'm sold already so my husband went to college in seattle he shared an apartment with his roommate and his roommate's cats my husband has always seen ghosts though he'd rather not and at that point, already had had his fair share of creepy experiences outside this apartment. Another story for another time. The area was known for having weird and creepy things happen. It is important to note that the way the entrance to the apartment was set up was done in a way that you wouldn't see the person's face as they entered, but you would be aware of their presence for it's the only way in and out of the apartment. So one day, while hanging out, in the front room of his apartment, my husband's roommate walked in. My husband said hey, but his roommate sort of just raised his hand in acknowledgments, never showing his face as he quietly walked his, uh, as he quietly walked to his room, shutting the door behind him. The cat followed to sit clawing and meowing at the door, something that the cat never did. Uh, not even an hour later, the roommate walked into the apartment and started talking to my husband. And my husband sat shocked and said, wait, you were just here. You got home a little bit ago. To which his confused roommate replied, No, I just got home. I haven't been home all day. 
At first, they both thought it was nothing until the reverse happened just a few days later. The roommate was in the apartment, but saw my husband enter, silently walk to his room, closing the door behind him, never seeing his face. But only a few minutes later, my husband walked in from being at school since the night before. This happened a few more times before my husband eventually moved out. Sometimes the roommate would be playing games when my husband would arrive home, never seeing his roommate's face, but always a silent wave, only to come back a few minutes later to find the roommate entering the apartment for the first time all day. That's wild. It wasn't until much later that my husband realized it probably wasn't a ghost they were seeing, but more something like a mimic or a doppelganger. He believes that if him or his roommate were ever to see the true face of the mimic, it would have been deadly. Like hearing a banshee scream indicates death is nearby. Holy shit. Yeah, that's terrifying. Is it possible? May I add Go. A, a third theory? Go. They have desynced from our timeline. That's possible. Seeing, they're seeing future events slightly sooner than they're happening only in their living room. Their <laughs> their living room has desynced from time by th- by 180 seconds. The living room is a time bubble. Yeah, I had that thought too, which is almost to me more terrifying than a, a paranormal like haunting of this existing like mm-hmm. space time. Uh, but the idea that, yeah, I, I could be desynced like decoupled from the rest of the of the timeline mm-hmm. or that things happen again or not at all or losing time like that is one kind of trope in like psychological or horror movies that i really get creeped out by is the idea of losing time yeah as someone who has like partial face blindness this creeps me the fuck out in like ways that i can't really describe yeah which is like you think that a person that you see is a person that you know and then like you look at them again and they're not the person that you thought they were or vice versa where someone's like hey what's up and you look at them you're like i have never spoken to you in my entire life i don't know what your face is who the fuck are you yeah right because if you can't recognize the face like what you know that's like the one true you know identification so what what then is left oh man that fucks me up though well that was terrifying thanks for sharing always you know i go for the (laughs) terrifying ones and i will end with a uh update on spaghetti Spaghetti-based restaurants. Wait, like what? Spaghetti factory and spaghetti warehouse. Yes. I love spaghetti warehouse. I hope this never dies. This comes to us from Serenity, and they write, So upon listening to you guys talk about spaghetti factory and spaghetti warehouse, I realized they sound kind of like spaghetti works <gasps> in my hometown, Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, no. Oh my god, a not thir- a third spaghetti. spaghetti works no. has entered the fight. This is this proves the multiverse theory. There's so many spaghetti. That's it. There's there's no two ways about it. Except for they're all the same Shh. verse. Also, I worked at Spaghetti Works and I caught you spaghetti worked at Spaghetti Works. <laughs> and I get get it right. <laughs> and I constantly got phone calls asking if we were the same thing as Spaghetti Factory or Spaghetti Warehouse. I never realized how similar they were. Spaghetti Works is in the Old Market, which is a section of downtown where everything is built in old buildings. Spaghetti Works was built in an old mattress factory, and there's also a ton of vintage-type stuff hanging up, but I'm not too sure about any of them being haunted. I do have a creepy story about working there, though. Is it possible that the noodle spaghetti is haunted? Just the, just the type of pasta, spaghetti. And just the type of pasta is 
what is haunting all of these places, not specifically these restaurants. Okay. Because there's there's one common thread now. I'm gonna and it's I'm gonna play in the space with you here. Why is spaghetti haunted? Why spaghetti? Why not penne? Long, long tongues licking out at you. Oh boy. All right. Well, that's the worst part. So let's just move right on. <laughs> but from wait, there. wait, oh. counter proposal. Truly terrible. Okay. Counter proposal. What if there is a vengeful spirit who is mm. trying to enact a task that they Mr. never got Spaghetti. to do in their life? <laughs> and up. that task is to start Italian restaurants in old places. Okay. And in order not to get sued by past uh, bodies that they've occupied, okay. they change the name very slightly each time. Okay. But why, after succeeding multiple times... Have they succeeded, Eric? Maybe their true idea of success is something different. I guess. You think you would focus on just the first one and, and try to franchise that out more than opening a competing spaghetti-based <laughs> restaurant. Maybe it was kicked out of its body, and so it had to either like watch this, this body that it no longer ran you know, succeed, mm. and they had to create a, a sister restaurant. Corporate ghost fionage. So I worked as a host, and one day I got a weird call from a lady saying she was locked in her stall in the bathroom. Oh, no. So we did the logical thing and send someone to the bathroom and try to get her out. Oh, no. The person that went to go check came back and said no one was there. There are two locations in our city, so we went ahead and called the other location sure, and told them smart. that there might be a woman Locked in the bathroom, <laughs> and there wasn't. Oh man! Oh man! I'm assuming she that was at be, like a spaghetti That would be quite warehouse. the faux pas. First to get locked in the bathroom. Second to call the wrong restaurant. Oh yeah! No, nah, your you your day in. your so day is intense. not going to be redeemed from there. The lady definitely told me that she was at spaghetti work, and she sounded too old to be making a prank phone call. But just old enough to like slightly have <laughs> dementia. I want to be very clear. That sentence was in the email, not something that I would add. It's because it is something that I would add. <laughs> After this happened, though, the head hostess told me that she thinks there's a ghost in the bathroom and she swears she's seen it. After this happened, we all want to catch this ghost, so someone downloaded an app. Oh my god. That lets ghosts talk through it. No. And it said lots of words for them no. and even said bathroom. Ooh. Oh no! I, however, don't know how trustworthy this app was, so I downloaded it on my phone and tried using it in different locations that I assumed weren't haunted and didn't have spirits. Wait wow, a, that's wait really a, going, do a going beyond. Hefty review. That's yeah. some like thewirecutter.com level <laughs> of app review right here. I love it. There definitely wasn't any activity in the places that she checked, but in Spaghetti Works, there was a lot of activity. I still don't trust this app 100%. Mm. But I still think there's definitely a spirit there. Oh boy. Listen. Love the podcast. Thanks for reading. Why why are they all haunted? Why are all the spaghetti places haunted? You know, Julia, I think you're onto something. I think spaghetti is the most haunted pasta. No, Eric said that, but I will I will give that yeah, credit. That, that's that's hundred percent my idea. <laughs> you know what, Eric? I think you're onto something. I think spaghetti is indeed the most haunted pasta. Who who hold on. I'm gonna do some quick Googling. Spaghetti. Haunted. Did the person who made spaghetti Die a horrible death. <laughs> I, meanwhile, am Googling spaghetti ghost. The first written record of pasta comes from the Talmud in the 5th century AD. I just found a paranormal experience subreddit uh, with a spaghetti ghost one. Wikipedia does not have who created spaghetti God damn it, thousands of years ago. What's the point of Which, you? Which, I mean, I, well, it was a long shot. It was a long shot for sure. 
Did you get any good spaghetti ghost stuff, Amanda? Nah, I'm Googling about spaghetti ghosts and uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot. I'm also not seeing our episodes on the first page of the uh, results. So That's some bullshit. Oh, wait. Hauntjaunts.net has a post called Why Do Ghosts Like Spaghetti So Much? <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a paranormal Reddit thread where there's just a thing called spaghetti ghost. I know. It's about a spaghetti strainer, though, and not uh, actual spaghetti, which, uh, get the fuck out. Uh, good. Well, spaghetti. TripAdvisor has a, a post about the haunted, haunted spaghetti warehouse in Houston. All right. Cool, cool. Vancouver has a haunted spaghetti warehouse tour. There's a TV show episode of a show called Ghost Bounty Hunter. Oh, wow. And the episode title is called Urban Spaghetti. This is very disappointing, Haunt Jaunts. This is simply a blog post calling people's attention to the existence of Spaghetti Warehouse and asking some questions. Uh, I don't want questions. I want answers, goddammit. I just want to fill you in on this information. If you search, is Spaghetti Haunted? The third page, top result, is meatballs.com, the Spaghetti Warehouse website. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also, all the other results are about the Houston Spaghetti Warehouse, oh my which God. is what led us on this ridiculous journey in the first place. I love it. We have to follow this rabbit trail. We have to follow this long slide of spaghetti noodle lore. One of the ones that I found was um, the many ghosts of old spaghetti factory picture of ghostly Vancouver. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I'm going to continue Googling why do ghosts like spaghetti so much um, all evening. So I think we better wrap this one up. Yes. So remember to eat your spaghetti and stay creepy. Stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.